Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Good day to you. It is 3.06 in the p.m. Today is the 24th of April. I believe en Francais they'd say Avril. Avril. Uh, this episode is going to be released simultaneously with another episode. This is part two, in a sense, of the other episode. The other episode is about the uh, discussion my buddy Jamie Lee Wise and I had in the Uber car with the driver on the way to the event you are about to witness in this episode. The event is hosted by Kei Chung, 1630 AM, Chinatown, Los Angeles. I started my radio show there in 2016 called Inspirado Projecto, and then once I learned I could actually just start making my own podcast very simply and easily and effortlessly with the app called Anchor. Now it's owned by Spotify, but if you download that onto your phone, you can just start making a podcast right away. So, uh, my radio show graduated into a podcast format, and I was very excited that Kay Chung threw on this event at Permanent Records Roadhouse. And this segment here features Emerson Dameron from Medicated Minutes. He has a show on Kay Chung. There are a series of DJs here. Um, This event takes place January 27th, 2023. And this is about nine days before my mom passed away. Um, If you heard the episode, I mentioned that the the other episode, the part one of of this episode uh, in the Uber car, you heard me mention that the sign out in front of this place is a Grim Reaper on a skateboard. And I thought that was quite, quite intriguing. You can actually see what that sign looks like in the other episode. It's on the cover of the other episode. So I was only able to record this particular part uh, because I actually got a call from Lisa Bowman. Lisa Bowman is featured in another podcast. She is someone I met on TikTok and has a very rich and deep history with, uh, well, sort of being the Snow White of animals. She's, she's, she can tell what animals are thinking. She's got a lot of great animal friends. That was the original reason why I actually interviewed her on, uh, on Inspirato Projecto. And then I ended up finding out a whole group of other things. She's in, she's in contact with extraterrestrials. She channels all kinds of different spirits. That's, that goes deep down a rabbit hole. Look up Lisa Bowman, Inspirato Projecto, and you can, you can hear all about that discussion. The reason why I brought her up is that she called me moments after Emerson Dameron's um, piece here that you're about to listen to. And she had some very important news that she channeled concerning my mom, which all was very, very right on the money. I mean, very, very, very right on the money. 
So strap yourself in for some extraordinary spoken word. I think Jack Kerouac and the Beats would be very pleased with what Emerson is doing. Also, Andy Warhol and the Factory. I think those guys would really get along with Emerson. Uh, Also, thank you, Jay Asang from Twin Peaks, Season 3. Thank you for leading us in here. Uh, But before we get to Emerson, I think we're going to play a little fun fact by Henry D. Horse. So right after that, stay tuned for Emerson. Thank you for listening to Inspirato Projecto Podcast. Yoda was almost played by a monkey. According to the book, The Making of Star Wars by J.W. Rinsler, George Lucas originally planned for Yoda to be played by an adorable monkey wearing a mask and carrying a cane. Huh, what do you think of that? Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. My name is Emerson Dameron. The name of this program is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, medicated-minutes.com. As I mentioned, it's a production of K-Chung Los Angeles, kchungradio.org, or uh, 1630 a.m. in uh, certain parts of Chinatown downtown and occasionally a sliver of Echo Park if the weather is bad in just the perfect way. (laughs) The music is by Chris Rogers and Visions of the Universe and everything else is by me. I'm Emerson Dameron. Cynic, romantic, your witty and wounded leading man fueled by technicolor dreams and playful banter. Hungry for love, thirsty for power. (laughs) And I don't know you, but I know the most salient thing about you, and that is that you are afraid to shine. You live in mortal fear of manifesting your full potential. And that's why you keep yourself small. And when you reach the limits of your tolerance for feeling good, feeling your oats, feeling your own power, you make yourself feel bad out of a craving for familiarity and security. Because in some sense, it's easier to feel bad in a familiar way. Notice the, um, the word family in there. It's easier to feel bad in the ways in which you've grown accustomed than it is to feel good and come into your own power. Because so many things could happen if you really started to shine. You could uh, give someone a mild headache with the brightness. People might have to uh, 
lather on some sunscreen in order to handle it. And you might alienate people that uh, see life as a zero-sum competition and think that uh, your gain is their loss. They might try to hurt you. That is the risk you run when you understand your story and begin to rewrite it and call yourself out on the lies that you tell yourself and ask yourself, what else could I be wrong about? You could uh, release the monster that you've been harboring. That is one of the reasons that you're so afraid. And I know this quite well. Uh, when things get good, you can expect to freak the hell out. Uh, when you're about to get what you want, uh, if you're anything like me, that's when the panic kicks in. And I have screwed that up for myself. Uh, I've been so close to getting what I wanted on multiple occasions. I just had to learn the lesson that yes, things are gonna get scary. You're in the zone of risk when things are really going your way. And it's just so much easier. It can seem at those times to feel bad because it's relatively risk-free. There's no discomfort that you're not already accustomed to feeling. And when you feel small, it's easy to excuse yourself when you treat people poorly because after all, you're so weak. What real significant damage could uh, such an ineffectual non-entity as yourself really be guilty of perpetrating when you um, when you move into your power you take on some responsibility you release the monster and you don't know exactly what you're gonna get it's been locked in the basement for a long time it might be frustrated and angry and some people's monsters are quite dangerous and ugly and scary I would wager that your monster is more a silly monster. <laughs> and uh, when you let it out to do its thing, it's probably just going to add to the entertainment value that we'll all get from watching you shine, which is what you owe yourself and the rest of us, is to live at your full potential. And up next, uh, it is time for a, uh, a segment that we call Ask a Sadist, which is a round of Q&A uh, with me, your host, Emerson Dameron, a sadist with a heart of rugged gold. I want to hurt you in the ways that help you most only by the most exquisitely enthusiastic consent. That's right, you have to beg for it. <laughs> but I will field your burning, itching, lacerating questions here on Ask a Sadist on Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. Dear Sadist, what does success mean to you? 
success to me is not a state of being. It's not a goal. It's not somewhere you are. It's not somewhere you have to get to. Success is a series of actions and choices culminating in a deliberate decision to concentrate the rays of my cruelty and my carnal passions through a magnifying glass. Success is a process of elimination. It's um, the rejection of insipid moralism and the decision to follow your depraved and decadent passions wherever they may lead to be heedless of all that contradicts pleasure's divine laws that are inscribed in your DNA. You know their songs by heart. It's just a process of forgetting all of the distractions from the sound and rhythm and melody of that beautiful music. Dear sadist, if you're so smart, why aren't you happy? I don't think we know each other, uh, anonymous interlocutor, uh, and you certainly don't know me. Uh, it's fair to say uh, that I might be operating at a level of sophistication that is unfamiliar to you and that you do not fully understand. <laughs> In my experience, the, uh, the, the smarter I get, uh, the more I hone my senses and incorporate, integrate wisdom that I've gathered about the world, the more excited and libertine my accursed mind becomes. <laughs> and if you want what I have, uh, if you're ready to cross that Rubicon, <laughs> then explore and enlarge the sphere of your taste and whimsy. And if you insist on suffering, which a lot of you obviously do. You will not admit it openly, and yet I observe you behave in ways that are pretty much guaranteed to make you suffer. <laughs> if you insist on suffering and taking actions that you know are going to mire your ass in misery and walking right into that meat grinder day after day... <laughs> All I ask is that you suffer like you mean it. Suffer on purpose. Suffer with intent in the ways that bring you closer to accomplishing whatever liberation it is that you uh, seek from the practice of suffering. Dear sadist, would you rather see the future or change the past? If your past is a place of unhappy memories, which does apply to mine, let those bad feelings fuel your frustration and drive you forward into a decadent and liberated future. The future is open. Your duty is to defile it. <laughs> And if you don't know your place or where you fit in or belong, 
I will find it for you, and I will put you there. <laughs> this has been Ask a Sadist on Emerson Dameron's Medicaid. Reminding you that to pursue and to have true freedom, peace with the universe, and boundless prosperity is a radical act. And that's how we do it here in Paradise City. As a, uh, as a creative person, as a creator of your own reality, I think it's your job right now most uh, prominently to bring back danger, bring back a little bit of risk, because it's later in the day than we care to admit to ourselves. And the stakes are higher than we typically recognize. We are in danger of getting what we want. And we have to prepare for the freak out. And we have to figure out how to be kind to ourselves in a way that allows us to um, make the transition into actualizing our full potential because it does take a little bit of understanding and we're so used to torturing ourselves that it's shocking the amount of energy that opens up when you just stop doing that and join us here in Paradise City the place beyond your conscious competence, which is where I even the best and the brightest tend to get stuck. There's another place, and that's Paradise City, where the thing that you love to do the most, the thing that you're best at, intersects with the needs of your people. Not even the world. Screw the world. Just your people that you find in Paradise City. And in order to get there, just please remember, you are loving. You are loved. You are going to be okay. Your contributions are valued. Your work and your life will be their own reward. In Paradise City, there is no sales or income tax. Every day, there's a ticker tape parade with nightly entertainment provided by a VW van full of clowns and recovering sex addicts. In Paradise City, death is nothing to fear. It's simply the ultimate form of physical comedy. Welcome to Paradise City. Make yourself at home. There's a better way to a better place. 
if you raise the bar on what you allow yourself to achieve, feel the fear of your full potential and let that fuel your ass to move forward. Your impediments aren't what you think they are. Your higher power is you. Your original sin, such as it is, is letting your parents and other bullies and naysayers and the limitations of the culture convince you otherwise. So if you're lonely and lost, chart your location, take a vacation on the opposite extreme, get curious and join us in Paradise City. First invocation. Sing to me, Los Angeles, in your fractal impermanence, your sprawling nightmares and all your little absurdities. Sing to me of fires, riots, earthquakes, and floods that wash away the pain and shards of broken dreams. Sing to me of coke sweats, Caligulan orgies, and long nights in the hills. Sing to me of long lines of the, of the DMV of puff pastries and restaurants built to resemble the foods that are served there. Sing to me of traffic jams and cool creative types who never cross the 405 for any reason. Sing to me of recovery groups, cacao drinks, and cool cults to join. This is the A story. <laughs> Letting her know of his return from the beach. He'd been out there all day pursuing his extramarital affair, the most recent one. While she'd been at home, screwing two of his clients, or two guys that worked for one of the companies. And they must have kind of known what was up with one another because they always gave each other plenty of time to hide the evidence as if they didn't want to accidentally barge in on one another and break the game like they knew they lost the attraction years ago but wanted to keep the charade going for tax purposes <laughs> and really saw no point in hurting or humiliating one another that badly This is the B story. <laughs> there are already three non-sectarian churches involved, along with a half dozen suburban fire departments, two long-term frenemies organizing the mother of all bake sales, a kid selling muffins, and a significant markup, a life coach celebrating a client's remarkable triumph of the will, Three bored teenagers throwing eggs at each other because that's something they can do that doesn't violate anyone's probation. 
a drunken Marxist swaying in the winds of change, an internet service provider, and a Volkswagen van full of clowns and recovering sex addicts. Pamphleteers from the First Church of the Satanic Buddha and the people of the Screaming Release. This is the sea story. He emerged onto the terrace, the voices ceased. He took a beat, took a breath, uh, involuntarily giggled and smirked at a dirty joke he'd heard earlier in the day, and then regained his composure, got it together, cleared his throat. My friends, he said, impressed with his own resonance and reverb. Like you, I've waited for this moment. I've been hopeful, yes, but not without some fear and trepidation. I knew this would be one of those before and after experiences. One of those lines of demarcation where nothing is quite the same on the other side, except, of course, for the things that are. D story. I mean, they really love it more than I would have dared hope. Like, I always assumed that when success came to me, as I always assumed that it would, it would be for doing something that I was proud of. I never thought that fame and fortune would find me through a dashed off notion I immediately regretted and only executed on due to exhaustion and a lack of other ideas. And yet here we are, all the kids are going crazy for the worst thing I ever followed through on. And you don't hear me complaining, I'll take the money in a heartbeat. Not selling out is an antiquated luxury at this point, and now I never have to worry about money again. I can just sit in one corner of my mansion and make art all day. And most of my problems are gone. I, I will have new ones, they will be relatively minor. And this will open up massive opportunities for me, as well as invites to Caligula and orgies in the hills. I'll share the wealth. It's just interesting how things work out. <laughs> e story. Xena <laughs> decides she wants to go home. And she can come and go as she likes. That's always been part of the deal. She knows Amber isn't happy to see her go. And she lashes out at Amber a little bit to offset some of the guilt that she feels she should not be feeling. But Xena doesn't do regrets or apologies. She takes care of herself in the moment. Anything else she can deal with later free of the burden of being there physically, she finds herself able to chill out on the long ride home more than she's been able to chill out in a hot minute. It was time to go some time ago. F story. I can say now what I dared not say then. I was a prick. I was hurt and humiliated in the aftermath of that. I still think that you handled it poorly, but I wanted more from you than I was willing to admit or acknowledge. I was selfish, possessive, and passive-aggressive. I wasn't taking care of myself or properly dressing my own wounds in advance of our rendezvous. I wasn't ready to get what I wanted before, and I wanted to make up for blowing it 
I wanted to believe that was possible. I couldn't move on and, and make space for the pain you're in or anything else that could come after this, and I'm sorry. Speak to me, Los Angeles. City of five side hustles where you can make up a job and then have it. Where you can be whatever you want, find whatever tribe you want to be in and make lifelong friends you see maybe twice a year. You that dances in strip mall parking lots, rants on Venice Beach, and never gives up on your big dream, even if that means breaking it down into dozens of little dreams. The city that never stops loving you and never remembers your name. City of hungry ghosts, flaming vans, and showering sunshine. One of the things I want to do before I uh, before I leave Los Angeles, which I, I keep threatening in my mind to do, <laughs> is just take a full day and do nothing but ride Angel's Flight up and down, back and forth and just do that all day and, and think about life. So I will do that before I leave. Uh, downtown was the first neighborhood that I lived in the second time I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I wasn't expecting the rents to be so high. I went to Chicago to ride out the recession and uh, when I came back, you know, I was expecting there to be a little bit of inflation, but uh, I didn't expect it to be quite so hard to put down first, last, and deposit, so I ended up spending uh, maybe uh, three months in an uh, establishment in the Arts District called Podshare, which uh, is not a youth hostel and it's not a cult. They're very adamant about both of those things. <laughs> Uh, what it is, is it's kind of like a, a submarine cabin. It's a bunch of bunk beds, and you rent out the bunk bed by the night at a reasonable price. And it's also a panopticon, because anywhere in Podshare, you're going to be privy to everything else that goes on in Podshare. And that's by design, because... Their, uh, their motto is end world loneliness. And the way that they do this is by the radical elimination of privacy. Uh, there, there is no privacy inside of Podshare except for the bathrooms and that's extremely iffy. And I got pretty brutally depressed after I'd been in Podshare for a number of weeks. Things were just not going my way on, on a number of levels. And I remember uh, speaking with the founder uh, of Podshare, who's a wonderful person, lover to death. We have some philosophical differences. <laughs> and I remember the topic of depression came up because you know, that's one of my areas of expertise. And I remember she said, do you think that Podshare could be a cure for depression? Because how could you be depressed when you're constantly surrounded by friends? And the obvious answer to that is, is no. Podshare is not a cure for depression. 
Uh, there will not be any clinical trials because it will not work better than a placebo, possibly worse. But Podshare is an inconvenient place to kill yourself. Because uh, as much as I'd lost interest in living, uh, I am polite to the bitter end. And there's no way you can kill yourself in Podshare without traumatizing a bunch of people. So uh, I managed to survive, if only because of that, long enough to uh, eventually move to Hollywood during COVID, where I developed a morbid fascination with the Hollywood Walk of Fame, because that was my walk. As both my marriage and the illusion of civil society were collapsing at once. Uh, I was walking around the Walk of Fame, which is a very outward-facing place, so it was just extremely eerie and sleazy. And what I learned is that when guests come from out of town, don't take them to the Hollywood Walk of Fame unless they specifically ask you to because its charm is lost on a lot of people. So, a friend of mine was going on a trip of a lifetime, and it was somewhere I had never been and I was going to go. So I asked my friend to take some personal items of mine, and she went over there, and I just saw her a couple days ago, brought back a bunch of stuff and when she was done explaining to me all these different items that she got from the holy land not truly jerusalem not india so leaves you a little bit open for interpretation um i asked her well where's my jewelry silence crickets. she says you are you what my jewelry I gave you. Oh, 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 oh. I thought to myself, oh shit. She left my items abroad. Now, mind you, some of the things can be replaced. One of the things came from London, and another piece came from a first love that passed away. 2011. She looks at me and says, I, I, I left it in the water. Literally, it was like a punch in the throat. And I was sitting there absorbing the fact that there were these items that you can't replace. And I didn't want her to fill absolute shit. So I started processing it really quickly. Okay. Okay. Now, the timing of this is pretty, pretty funny because I've been trying to teach my daughter the topic of easy come, easy go. So it was kind of an alchemical process in the fact that these items were now immersed in water and sand where they are. I had no idea this was gonna happen. And it actually, funny enough, caused a lot of progression in my life, or shift for the better. 
unbeknownst to me, and unbeknownst to the fact that these items are now somewhere all around. Thank you. Southern California is a land of showering sunshine and a radical relationship with impermanence. This has been Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, a production of Kaichung, Los Angeles, kaichungradio.org. The dedicated site for the show is medicated-minutes.com. Uh, music is by Visions of the Universe and Chris Rogers. Everything else is by me. I'm Emerson Dameron, the uh, writer, producer, director, the talent, the uh, witty, cynic, and wounded romantic hero of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. Uh, we have um, the talk show experiment will continue apace. Uh, in the following segments, uh, we have Autonati Anonymous coming up, uh, as well as Long Rocks on the Beach. Uh, thank you to Julie and Kern and everybody at K-Chung for putting this together. Thanks for Permanent for having us. Thanks for showing up. All I ask is that you're, you be not afraid to shine and manifest your full potential because you're always right and no one else matters. <laughs> Levity saves lives. Thank you. Thank you so much, Henry D. Horse, for that extraordinary fun fact. Thank you so much, Emerson Dameron, for your words of wisdom and enlightening us. You really spoke to my heart on that one. Uh, like Emerson says, check out Medicated Minutes. Check out his show. He's also got an Instagram. Emerson Dameron. I'll put these links into the description. So if you'd like to take a gander at those, take a gander at those. Uh, I'm, I'm, by the way, I am on a roll here uploading episodes. I've got so much backlogged here in the, in the archives. I'm getting these things out there. So, um, I believe the next episode is going to, um, by the way, I would suggest going back and listen to the episode before this, which is where we we're in the car with the Uber driver. Check that out if you want. The next episode is going to be an interview with my elementary school teacher, Mrs. Dargatz. This is out in Las Vegas at the Palms Casino. This is when my band Yachtly Crew was playing out there. And uh, she, happened to, she happened to come out there with my friend Renee from, from back in uh, fourth grade. And Mrs. Dargatz uh, has a book that shows all the classes that she that she um, taught and pictures from the field trips. Oh my gosh, it's just amazing. I love it, I love it so much. So I, I, I cannot wait to share that one with you. So thank you so much for listening to Inspirato Projecto and also thank you Mickey Dolans for closing out the show. Hey, hey, we are all monkeys. Take care.
Oh, P.S. Thank you, Kern Haug, for the audio engineering on this. You did a great job. Thank you, Kern. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hi, it's Mickey Dolans here. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto.